It's time for some book reviews on this week's Ask Science Mike. You've got questions, he's got answers. Even though we may not understand, I'll talk anyway. We've got problems, he won't solve them. But I'll talk and talk and talk until he's blue in the face. Science, faith, and life. Welcome to Ask Science Mike, the weekly podcast where I usually answer your questions about science, faith, and life. I'm your host, Mike McCarg, and this week we're going to talk about some of my favorite books that I've read recently, just in case you want to expand your own reading list. So what do you say? Let's get it started. Well, there have been a lot of changes behind the scenes with Ask Science Mike, and I just wanted to let you know about it because uh, it's really exciting. Ask Science Mike, I've always kind of acted as the producer of the show myself, um, and then Andrew Galucky has helped me with the pre-production aspects, especially around you know selecting questions and uh, getting polls ready for our patrons to pick the content of the show. And of course, you all know my friend Greg Nordine. Uh, has been there since the very beginning, uh, doing editing and sound design for the program. And uh, when I get busy, which is very often, uh, that system starts to fall apart because I'm not there to act as the producer to initiate new shows and uh, to you know plot an overall creative direction. And uh, one of the biggest things that has made the Liturgist podcast uh, successful is having people in that producer role that's a collaboration of a larger team. And uh, I'm really excited to tell you that Ask Science Mike has a producer now. Uh, her name is Caitlin Hermstad, and she is a uh, fan of the show, just like all of you. Uh, so she's coming from the perspective of someone who's listened to the show and understands what it's about. And um, if you've noticed, the podcast is coming out more regularly again. That is 100% Caitlin's influence. Uh, she is doing an amazing job. And we had a call this week because she's been looking through your comments all over on Patreon, on Twitter, all over the internet uh, about what you talk about, what you like about Science Mike, what you want more of, what you want less of. And we've looked at the analytics of the show together to see which episodes are the most popular over time so that we can try to make a podcast that's exactly what you want. And one thing we noticed is that I've done one book review episode ever on Ask Science Mike, and it was very popular. And uh, to this day, I mean, I think that show came out in 2017, people are still asking for another book review show. So today is going to be a book review show where I talk through just some books I've really enjoyed recently. One of the things you probably know about me is I'm an avid reader. Uh, in a bad month, I'll read four books. In a great month, I'll read eight or 10, occasionally 12 books in a month. And uh, so I, I read a lot and I read a, a, a really broad variety of books. So I have a very broad uh, interest uh, with not necessarily super deep outside of a few sp specific genres, uh, which we may or may talk about on the program. And I know a lot of your readers and, and the hard thing is like, gosh, what book do I want to read next? There's so many books. So I understand why that's vital and important. Um, 
And it's a good time for me to talk about books right now. I'm in a very positive space. Uh, I've turned in my manuscript for my second book, which is uh, going to be called You Are a Miracle and a Pain in the Ass. Uh, the subtitle is in flux right now, but that is actually available for pre-order right now on most retailers for those hardcore science bike fans who want to get way ahead of the curve. The book won't be out until next spring. This is not a book ad podcast. I've just been thinking a lot about books and how much I love them and how much appreciate them, especially having gone from hating my next book to actually really liking it over the last couple of weeks. So it's good to have a good editor. Thanks, Derek Reed, uh, for keeping me sane as a writer. So this week, it's all about books, uh, books I like. Uh, I don't talk about books I don't like. I'm just, I don't have that personality. <laughs> Think of a book review show from me more as a flower show uh, than as like a contest or something. I, I I tend to say what I like and 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 not really reflect on what I don't. And that's just my temperament. Oh, also events. Yes, there are some more this year. Uh, Tabs and Wafers will be coming to San Francisco, I think September 21st. And then we'll go to Texas the following weekend with uh, Houston, Dallas, and Austin. So that'll be me and Michael Gunger. That event, by the way, is amazing. Uh, it is very funny. I know it sounds weird being in the event and saying an event is very funny, but I hear a lot of laughter from the stage. Uh, and also, it's it's very touching. So no matter what you may think Tabs and Wafers is, you're probably wrong. And if you get there, you'll see that it's going to defy any and all expectations you have. I'll also be at the Christian Transhumanist Conference in Nashville this fall. You can learn about all of those by going to AskScienceMike.com and clicking on the Events tab. And then I just want to remind you, I don't take as many bookings as I used to. Uh, and I am booking you know, 2020 and 2021 right now for my events. So if you're interested in having me at your college or your conference or your church or your company, whatever, go ahead and send in a booking request now for any time in 2020. If you're thinking early 2021, uh, now's the time to put your event in for consideration with my events team because uh, they are not uh, based on my autism and, and some other medical concerns, I'm not going on the road as much as I used to. Uh, the other thing is, I've gotten some feedback from people that they're concerned that uh, they their church is too small or their event is too small and they don't want to try to, to get me because they can't afford me. I keep some events set aside or some space in my calendar set aside specifically for small churches and small organizations, uh, and I, I offer a deeply discounted rate uh, for small organizations. There's I only do a couple a year, but those are available. Don't assume you can't get me uh, just because I've spoken at some larger events now. The, the way Science Mike became Science Mike, honestly, was churches with between 50 and 150 people bringing me in. That's how I started this phase of my life. And I think there's something special about those smaller faith communities and uh, the intimacy that happens in those rooms. So that's that's really important to me. Anyway, I am rambling. Uh, let's stop talking about me and my book and my events, and let's start talking about my reading list. Okay, we'll start with fiction books because uh, I don't read nearly as many fiction books as nonfiction books. And I mainly read fiction to, to bone up on my storytelling chops. Uh, people who write fiction tend to be 
the best storytellers in the writing business. Uh, and so I'll be honest, part of what I do when I'm reading fiction is just looking at ways to tell stories and ways to keep people interested. Uh, and I do enjoy fiction. I have a little harder time understanding and following fiction based on the way that I learn. Uh, my my reading rate falls uh, dramatically when I read fiction. I read it much slower. Technically, I read the same number of words per minute, but I have to reread fiction over and over to understand what's happening. So usually, often the first time I read a novel, I don't even understand what happened. I go back immediately to the first page and start again. Other times I'll read paragraphs or chapters over and over. It's just really hard for me to visualize uh, people in books and remember who's who and remember different settings. Uh, so I don't, that's why I don't read as many fiction books. It's much more challenging for my brain. Whereas I read nonfiction almost instantly <laughs> understand anything because it's all concepts separated from faces and places. But that said, uh, there are some really, really amazing fiction books out there right now. The first one I want to tell you about is called Washington Black by Essie Adwig. Oh, man, I even looked up how to say the name. I can't do it. I'm so sorry. I actually have uh, a learning disability about pronunciation, and uh, I still get embarrassed because there's a, a cultural thing where white people often can't speak non-white names. Uh, that's not what happens to me. I also can't speak white names. Uh, I just have a really hard time with pronunciation, so I'll just ask for your grace there. Washington Black by Essie, the wonderful person whose last name I cannot pronounce even though I played it on YouTube less than a minute ago. <laughs> I am so sorry. Anyway, I'm not going to edit that. I'm going to leave that in just like it is because I think it might be important for somebody else. Uh, so this book is called George, or it's called Washington Black, and I'm just going to read you the Amazon copy to give you an overview because it's really good. Uh, here it is. George Washington Black, or Wash, an 11-year-old field slave on Barbados sugar plantation is terrified to be chosen by his mother's brother as his manservant. To his surprise, the eccentric Christopher Wilde turns out to be a naturalist, explorer, inventor, and abolitionist. Soon Wash is initiated into a world where a flying machine can carry a man across the sky, where even a boy born in chains may embrace a life of dignity and meaning and where two people separated by an impossible divide can begin to see each other as human. But when a man is killed and a bounty is placed on Wash's head, Christopher and Wash must abandon everything. What follows is their flight along the eastern coast of America and finally to a remote outpost in the Arctic. What brings Christopher and Wash together will tear them apart, propelling Wash even further across the globe in search of his true self. From the blistering cane fields of the Caribbean to the frozen far north, from the earliest aquariums of London to the eerie deserts of Morocco, Washington Black tells a story of self-invention and betrayal, of love and redemption, of a world destroyed and made whole again, and asks the question, what is true freedom? Uh, what that intro leaves out, that intro copy leaves out is uh, Christopher's brother, the plantation owner, is really horrible and cruel, which is why Wash is afraid to be selected as a manservant. Um, 
Now, onto the book itself and my reflection on it. I have not always liked alternative history stories, um, but they've grown on me largely because of stories like this. And then I've read a few sci-fi pieces, you know, set in World War II uh, that I really enjoyed. Uh, it got me really into alternative history fiction for a couple of months, which for me means I read like 14 or 15 books <laughs> right in a row. And uh, this book is, above everything, really well written. Uh, as a writer and as someone who's always loved the written word, I just love books that handle sentence by sentence storytelling well. That are, you know, they're they're descriptive, they're beautiful. The prose is developed without being burdensome. So just from a, a pure how it works on the page perspective, this book is really well done. And that's saying something because anything that kind of gets in sci-fi or alternate history, and the, I, I think the the flying machine uh, in, in, the, in this period of history certainly places this a bit in the sci-fi genre, is often really bad at basic writing, you know? Sci-fi tends to be great at high-minded concepts and, and exploring abstract ideas, but often struggles at just being well-written. And this book is incredibly well-written. I just so enjoyed the, the voice of the storyteller. And this book is both a really harrowing and brutal portrayal of slavery and the slave trade, Um it actually reminded me of the Underground Railroad that way. But it's also a page-turning adventure story, uh, kind of Jules Verne-esque. And uh, the combination is fascinating. It was interesting to you know, have this visceral, painful reaction to this depiction of the slave trade and yet not be able to set the book down because you want to see what happens next in the story. That, that's an incredible feat for a storyteller to do to at the same time you know, you have this moral revulsion to slavery and you can't set the book down. And not in a horror movie way, like I think a Nate Parker's film, whose title escapes me at the moment, uh, that was such a brutal visual depiction of slavery. It was almost a horror movie in its violence. And you know, in some ways couldn't look away because of the intensity of, of the violence. That's not what I'm talking about here. This is a compelling story and a compelling narrative set in the brutality of the slave trade. So it's a really special book. I put it up top for a reason. I think it's a, a can't-miss uh, work of fiction. And I think there's some other can't-miss works of fiction in this section. But I think of everything, uh, every book I'm going to have on this episode, I'm looking, yeah, this is definitely the most broadly accessible. You don't have to be into sci-fi to enjoy this book. There, you know, this is this is a, a very general fiction. Uh, anyone can pick up this book and appreciate it. Anyone can pick up this book and learn from it. It's just a phenomenal read and it comes with my highest possible recommendation. And the book again is Washington Black. I should mention that you'll have links to every book on AskScienceMike.com. Uh, so you can go to AskScienceMike.com, look up. I'm really saying that fast. AskScienceMike.com and just look up episode 191 and you'll have links to all these books. You don't have to like try to memorize it or something or 
worry about wrecking your car. I know a lot of you listen and drive or you listen on the treadmill. Don't don't get yourself physically in danger. This is all written down and clickable for you on my website. Okay. <laughs> Second book is called Salvation. Salvation is by Peter F. Hamilton, who's a pretty well-known sci-fi author. At least he's well-known enough to have a New York Times bestseller uh, a few times, actually. And he writes what I'd call hard science fiction. Uh, I'm holding Salvation right here in my hand. It is just an absolute stack of bricks of a book. Um, you know, it weighs in at several hundred pages, almost 600 pages, but they're big pages. Uh, this is a big book. It is a ton of fun, though. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I did enjoy this this book. Uh, it was really hard for me to follow for the first third, even all the way to the first half, because there are so many characters and so many settings, and they don't start connecting until the second half of the book. And so I could not tell what was going on. That is not uh, fault of the author. That's just how I learn. But I just want to warn you that there's a lot to follow in this book. The premise is that this is a book set a couple hundred years in the future. And in that future, uh, one, teleportation through portals is commonplace. So it looks at how that changes the structure of society when you can be really at when any point on planet Earth is walking distance away. Right, that's kind of what these portals do. And then, before you know it, any point in the solar system is walking distance away just by walking through portals. Uh, those portals, of course, are controlled by corporations. So there's a little bit of a dystopian element to this book. So that's, that's premise one, corporate-controlled teleporters uh, at the foundation of society. Number two is that aliens have been watching us, and they saw how often we like to blow up nuclear bombs and got really concerned about this emerging uh, civilization, so they sent uh, it, well, it's hard to hard to describe without uh, ruining the book. But they sent, uh, let's say, a team uh, to check out this new civilization and infiltrate it, and just gather intelligence. And uh, that's the premise for the book: salvation. Um, one teleportation to alien infiltration. And uh, I'm not ruining anything there because literally the opening scene of the book is the aliens uh, sending a team to uh, Earth to see what's going on. Salvation is a really, really, really great book. Uh, it's written pretty well. You know, it is, it, it is not uh, written with the same, you know, easy eloquence that Washington Black is. Uh, but it does a really good job of depicting a future and helping us understand, you know, what teleportation would look like practically to organize a society around. That's what I love about science fiction, by the way, is this capacity to take a what-if idea and explore it with incredible depth and specificity through world-building. That's what I enjoy most about science fiction. So... Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton is a great book. It's a fun read. It's not a quick read, <laughs> uh, but I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, next up is A Darker Shade of Magic, which is the beginning of a trilogy by V.E. Schwab. You know, um, 
got to tell a story to even get to this book review. I remember when my sister-in-law, who is 15 years younger than my wife, got into Harry Potter. And I remember that because we started to watch some of the Harry Potter films. And I remember, especially the first film, thinking, what a cute kid story that I have no interest in. But as the Harry Potter films increased in sophistication, I got fascinated with them. And then I was a late arriver to uh, the Harry Potter series. I think I read books one through five in a week, though. Uh, And then I was like, oh, wow, J.K. Rowling can write. And so I got, for the first time in my life, I got into stories about magic because of Harry Potter. I was never really into magic before. I was a science fiction person. I wanted some plausible mechanism behind your storytelling magic. And magic can just be that, magic. The thing is, though, I don't really like reading a lot of young adult fiction. And I don't mean that uh, in like some kind of snooty or high-minded way. Um, I don't mean that I'm above young adult fiction. Uh, I just mean I like weirder books. <laughs> and uh, I also like darker themes. I tend to like a, a lot of dark themes in, in my, my fiction. And uh, so that led me to a, a series called The Magicians, um, which I really enjoyed. I think Lev Grossman wrote those. I'm not sure. And, and I'm always on the lookout for interesting adult magic books. And uh, this is certainly that. So this trilogy is um, a story involving dimensional travel and magicians. So there's basically several parallel dimensions centered around the city of London. So all these parallel dimensions have in common that the city of London exists. And, uh, and it's called London. But beyond that, there's not as many similarities. There are four of these dimensions, Black London, White London, Red London, and Gray London, which is Gray London's the least magical and the most us dimension. These books are set uh, in the past, I'm guessing maybe Victorian era. I don't know, honestly. And uh, they're all just a lot of fun and good storytelling. Um And I like the depictions of magic as kind of a technical art and that has a genetic component. So people in this series, not everyone can do every kind of magic. Most people can handle one element. Some people can handle two. The rare person can handle three. And then there's literally a a handful of people who can do all four elements in magic. And they're special. And that's kind of the premise of the, the trilogy. Uh, I've just really enjoyed it. These are not um, as conceptually dense as uh, Salvation or Washington Black. Um, It's just a fun read about magic, and uh, I really enjoyed them. It is a trilogy, so it's a big commitment. Um, But if you you just like a good yarn that's well-written, I highly recommend A Darker Shade of Magic and the two follow-up books behind it. Another trilogy that I adore, that might be my favorite sci-fi trilogy of all time, is the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Uh, Oh my word, these books are phenomenal. Uh, They are well written. They, oh gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. This is very frustrating. Let's go nuts and bolts first. 
it's set in the distant future, kind of post-post-apocalypse where civilization has risen, collapsed, rebuild, collapsed, and rebuilt. <laughs> so we're talking very distant future, not near future, not a couple hundred years, but thousands of years from now. So many thousands of years, we don't know how many thousands of years this story is taking place from now. Uh, we just know it's the distant future. So humanity has transformed a lot. In fact, there's been enough time that uh, there has been genetic evolution and divergence in the human species that operates as the setting for this trilogy, which opens with a book called The Fifth Season. Uh, this book won the Hugo Award in 2016. Uh, that lets you get any picture of how exceptional it is. It has some mind-blowing premises about physics, about culture, about gender, about race, um, about man's humanities. I think it's wrong to say man's relationship in this story, especially humanity's relationship with the earth, um, humanity's relationship to science. The premises are incredible. So this is like this fresh, original take on human identity. And all of that is done as subtext. There's no exposition about those things in the book. It is all laid out as the subtext of the story. So on one level, you just have a great story. Just a really great story. A story that I struggled to understand far less than most books. But underneath that story, the subtext and the setting of the book is mind-blowing social commentary. So whatever level you approach this book with, there's a lot there. That means you can read this series five or six times, and you'll still, you'll still get something new and fresh on every reading. And what I particularly enjoy in the world building that N.K. Jemison has done in this series is that the future is so wildly alien. I mean, yes, this is clearly about people, but the setting is so different, the cultural context so different, the way people relate to each other so different that it feels completely alien. In fact, um, one thing I particularly enjoy is the creation of original vocabulary. And there's an appendix in the back of the book that I had to refer to in order to understand the book uh, because it speaks to a contemporary reader reading in the time period, which of course doesn't exist in the far future. And the terms aren't necessarily explained. They're just laid into the text. I just thought it was created such, such an alien landscape that was at the same time very familiar and relatable. Will Gaffney is the one who turned me on to these books. And my gosh, what an extraordinary bit of storytelling. What an extraordinary bit of world building. And what an extraordinary set of social commentary. There are very few books like the Broken Earth Trilogy. And uh, check it out as soon as you can. Okay, our last book for this week. Next week, we'll do the nonfiction books. This week, we'll just do fiction. 
Uh, so our last book this week is uh, honestly, it's my favorite on the list. It's last, I know, but it's my favorite on the list. It is a book called Exhalation by Ted Chiang. Ted is my favorite science fiction author. He's maybe my favorite storyteller, full stop. And he only writes stories, short stories, which, oh gosh, I so wish he'd write a novel. <laughs> His last compilation of stories, short stories is called Yourself or Someone Like You. I think that might be a Matchbox 20 album. Stories of Yourself. Oh, well, I don't even remember the title. I do remember one of the <laughs> stories became the movie Arrival. And the movie Arrival was pretty good. The story Arrival is based on is one of the best stories I've ever read. And uh, Exhalation continues on that tradition. What Ted does really well is take some idea, some premise and then fully explore it in a short story. Uh, so for Arrival, what would it look like for a consciousness to, to not be based on linear time, right? So so those that alien species is humanity encountering a non-linear consciousness. And gosh, this book, story after story after story, I think it might be better than his previous book, which is saying something. What I'll tell you about this book, especially for Ask Science Mike listeners, is there's a lot of gems in here for post-Christians. I'm not saying this is a book only for post-Christians or even primarily for post-Christians, but what I am saying is occasionally what Ted does, he does it in his last collection as well, is he'll take a premise from fundamentalist religion and he'll write a story as if it were true. So there's a story in exhalation of what if young earth creationists were right and uh, where that goes <laughs> i would just tell you is not anywhere close to where you expect it to go there's books about sentient or excuse me stories about sentient machines and unsentient nannies and uh, anxiety and brain implants and I don't know. I don't know how you give a cohesive picture of a compilation of short stories other than to say you have to read this book. Uh, it is incredible. I bought it release day. I uh, drove to a bookstore to buy it, and uh, I read it in one sitting. And, oh, the first book was called Stories of Your Life and Others, so I was close. It's a phenomenal book. If if you like science fiction, if you like short stories, if you like storytelling, Exhalation is for you. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. It, like every other book in this episode, will be linked in the show notes on AskScienceMike.com. This is episode 191. And I'd like to thank the whole crew. I'd like to thank Caitlin Hermstad for producing Andrew Golucky for pre-production, Greg Nordine for production and sound design. My patrons on Patreon for making the show possible. Thank you for all you do. And we'll be back next week with a collection of non-fiction books for your enjoyment and consideration. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you next week.